Hello and welcome to the Hit Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And I am your host, Dave. Welcome to episode 12. Episode 12. A dozen episodes in. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad. You having fun so far? A lot of fun. Good. Uh, what have you been listening to this past week or two? So recently, I have been... Uh, I don't know, not, not all over the place. I kind of went back into a pop-punk-punk punk, uh, list of things here. One of which is a... I don't know how to explain it. It's like a brocore, you know... Brocore? Brocore. They have the breakdowns, they have the synths, they have the... You know, all that kind of stuff. It's a band called Abandoned by Bears. It's actually two tracks, because it, it's an intro into a track. So I got to include both of them. Oh, of course. Uh, the full track is called Peter, You're Not Allowed in the City. And it's from their Bear Sides EP. It's one of their older uh, uh, EPs. It's it's just it's a lot of fun. And on the other side of that, on uh, the short, quick, and lovely songs, I've been listening to The Descendants. Nice. And nice. my absolutely favorite track from them is Coffee Mug. Mug, mug, mug. I just, uh, there's a cover of them that came up on uh, the release radar this week. Yeah. But yeah, Coffee Mug, it, I feel like Coffee Mug doesn't get the respect it deserves. Not really. Well, it's, neither. you know, like eight seconds long. <laughs> I mean, kind of the band doesn't really That's overall, true. if you think about it, like they should get more respect than they do. And one of them lives in our state. That's true. And you can't say that about many famous people. Not, not here. So what have you been listening to? I've kind of been a little bit different, or at least different, within this week. I've been listening to some older Eminem. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not uh, what I expected. Marshall Mathers LP Eminem show uh, type stuff. With those great skits? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know the skits so much, but, you know, at least like the classic no, the singles and stuff. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's great. It, his delivery and his rhymes and stuff is just, it, it's classic and it holds up i'm like a head trip to listen to because i'm only giving you things you joke about with your friends inside your living room the only difference is i got the balls to say it in front of y'all and i don't gotta be false or sugar-coated at all i just get on the mic and spit it and whether you like to admit it i just shit it better than 90 percent of you rappers out kid then you wonder how can kids eat up these albums like volumes it's funny because at the rate i'm going when i'm 30 and on the very flip side of that I've been listening to some classic Goldfinger. How classic we talking? Uh, talking first couple albums, Goldfinger. Oh, wow. Okay. It was actually inspired because Goldfinger put out a deluxe version of their most recent album. And for some reason on it, they redid some of their old songs, like Superman and 99 Red Balloons. Yeah, and with uh, one of them is with the inventor of punk rock, Avril Lavigne, right? Yes, yes. And it's, don't like to be negative here very much, but I, I can't see why they did it. I don't know that anybody really wanted re-recorded, super auto-tuned self-covers of their classic songs. But it made me go back and listen to the originals. Right, now if you're going to go in and like put out remasters or something like that or a remix of it i can understand that or even just trying to give a like a, a street manifesto such keys me night situation where you want to go back in and kind of clean everything up and and do it to the standard you wanted to do now but yeah i don't see I don't, any of yeah. that in these recordings i don't know it just it sounds off it's like they slightly change the tempos on things so it's just not quite how you remember it the vocals are you can can't even hardly tell because there's so much auto tune. Yeah, it's, and it's it's obvious. Yeah, like, I don't I don't know what's obvious. going on. Like if John's 
blew out his voice too much and he can't sing anymore and they need the auto-tune, but listen to the originals. You can you can pass up on these re-recordings. And, like usual, you can find these songs and whatever we talk about next on the Hit Shuffle Podcast playlist on Spotify, and you can find that link on our website, hitshufflepodcast.com. All right, Dave, go ahead and roll that die. Let's see what you get, and let's see what we're listening to. That's a nine. Charlemagne and Sweatpants by The Hold Steady. It's a good song. Again, that was Charlemagne in Sweatpants by The Hold Steady off of the 2005 album Separation Sunday. I love this song. This is actually also probably my favorite Hold Steady album out of all of them. Overall, I think it's either this or Boys and Girls in America. Boys and Girls in America is good, but I can pop on Separation Sunday and just vibe through the whole thing. It's It's great. It's definitely a different vibe than Boys and Girls is. Yeah, I Um, feel like this is a little, Separation Sunday is a little bit darker than than, uh, Boys and Girls. So this is their second album, and it came out only a year after their first album did. And it's not as polished or produced a sound as Boys and Girls in America and their later albums are, but it's it's definitely a vibe, and I think the sound is better. Oh, I think it's, I feel like it matches it matches the Hold Steady better. Yeah, the this album as a whole, and this song is a very good example. Captures, I think, the perfect feeling and vibe of the hold steady is like the epitome of what a bar band can be yeah i actually have that down it's like it's like you found a really good dive bar that has a really good weekly band that plays and they just have their shit together and that's it's a very interesting thing and my main kind of overall thought for this song at least although i think it reflects for the whole album is it has a very loose feel to it yeah, like just just the way everything is like the the drums and bass. It's a, like a very jam '70s jam type of groove. It's kind of slower and loose, and the fills are very spacey and open. You yeah, know, it's not it's not a tight song. It's not like a four on the floor. Play these, you know, play these chords, play this, play that, all lined up with each other. It's just like a like the guitar, the rhythm guitar riffs are kind of on and off. There's frequent breaks just for the lead guitar to kind of noodle for a little while, you know, and then of course Craig's vocal style, which is, I learned there's actually a word, a German word for it. Of course there is. (laughs) I forgot to look up how to pronounce this. Oh, I want to hear you try it though. (laughs) Before, uh, I didn't look up how to pronounce this ahead of time. So I believe it's something like Sprechgesang. I could be 100% 100% wrong about Sorry that. Sorry to any of our German listeners yeah, out there. Uh, please feel free to correct on social media. But it's it's similar to what a more familiar term uh, to us in America would be recitative. Okay. Although th- this is a little bit different. It's more... Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> <laughs> Which I believe we mentioned before. Well, you can't talk about the hold steady without talking about Bruce yeah. Springsteen. It's like loose rhythmically where you're just kind of following a speech pattern and not a singing pattern but there is pitch to it right it's like a i guess you can kind of break it down to be like a slam poetry with melody yeah it's like he doesn't follow any sort of rhythmic pattern cadence pattern whatever like you're used to in music generally like it follows a structure right but you know he's it's kind of a rambling talking storytelling thing and but there is pitch to it. There is a mel- a vocal melody that flows through the song, so it's not just completely like speaking. Yeah, and then it's. I also feel like with this song, these guys got together and they'd been together for a little while at this point. I feel like they just went into the studio, and all the guys on instruments kind of knew what they were doing already and had an idea, and we're just kind of jamming and vibing. And then Craig Finn comes in. He's just like, just let me go and do what I need to do. 
So they just played, and then he just came in and just right over top of it. Which this song captures that better than some of their other songs because he does on occasion have more of a structure, more of like a verse chorus type thing. This is very speechy. Now, I found something on there's a hold steady fandom wiki or something. I found a note for this song and the link for the reference is behind a paywall. So I cannot confirm this (laughs) of, you know, fuck paywalls, by the way, like, don't, don't let me start reading an article and then not finish it. But it says that this was the first song that the band wrote. Really? You know, can't confirm. Right. Um, I did not find another reference to that. The link is an interview with Craig Finn, you know, the the paywall link. So I would imagine that somewhere in the interview, he mentions that that was, this is the first song that he wrote. And it would make sense because it's kind of sounds like it came out of a jam session. Yeah. Like you were were saying, like, it's just the band's kind of the drummer and bassist got a groove. The guitarist is, you know, doing little solos here and there. And then Craig's reading out of his notebook. And then they're like, wait a second. This sounds dope. Like we we don't need to change this. Let's yeah. just let's just go with this. I mean, these are some some hold steady ass lyrics. Yeah, this is it, the, really I hadn't thought about it before, but this song really kind of is the hold steady distilled down to its yes. purest form. Especially if this that makes a lot of sense if this was the first song that he wrote and everything kind of everything kind of came this. from that because this is man, there's some good shit in this song. As we mentioned. The last time the Hold Steady came up, there's a whole universe of lore behind the band. There's characters that are consistent throughout multiple albums. The THSCU? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a second there. (laughs) The Hold Steady Cinematic Universe? Uh, And Craig is the narrator, so the whole speech singing thing fits right in with that because the whole band is essentially Craig as the narrator telling you the story of these other people. Yeah. It's like, it goes beyond concept albums. Yeah. It's kind of like Coheed where it's a concept band. Band, Yeah. Where not necessarily every song on every album is tied into it, but especially early on in the first couple albums, it's very heavy into touching on to the characters. And I feel with Almost Killed Me and Separation Sunday, it's a lot more straightforward. Yeah. By the time you get to Boys and Girls in America, the kind of real heavy lore stuff, I feel, takes a little bit of a backseat to make the songs more easier to get into, more broadly appealing, whereas this is, you know... This is telling a story. Four minutes of Craig rambling about, specifically about two people. Yeah. Charlemagne and Holly. Whose real name is Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, you can do that one. I'm not doing that one. Her real name is Hallelujah, but she goes by Holly. Which I will call her because I have a lot of trouble with that word. I'm surprised you're saying Charlemagne so well. Oh, well, that I mean, that's that's history nerd <laughs> stuff. You that's know, true. I've played a lot of Crusader Kings. I can say Charlemagne. My Civ experience is coming out. And one day, I do believe we will get into a really deep thing about the lore for the hold steady because there's a ton of it yeah i really want to go through this story this song specifically which being on the second album is it it is kind of feel like an introduction to the characters somewhat holly is a let me see how did they describe this sometimes drug addict sometimes prostitute sex worker well i was reading off of what they said you know gotta have the respect though and sometimes born again christian and sometimes all three Right, at the same time. Yes. And Charlemagne is uh, her drug dealer slash sex worker supervisor. Since, <laughs> since... <laughs> oh, shit. I never thought about that before. Like, what would that be? <laughs> sex worker supervisor. Since we're going to be all proper hey. here, I don't want to call him a pimp. Let's call him, you know. A criminal? Because <laughs> that's what they are. He's the sex worker district manager. <laughs> yes. Uh, and non-official prescription supplier. Yes, yes. And this just kind of delves into directly the relationship between these two characters. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sets up songs in the future about her and things that she does and places that she ends up, and this makes it make sense. Now, also, I believe there is uh, the third character of 
the main three of the whole thing, Gideon, I believe is with them, but isn't mentioned in this song specifically. Yeah. The, the whole album is the three of them traveling around doing drugs and partying, essentially, and then discussing the relationships between them and that kind of thing. And religion and all that kind of stuff. So there, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes up in the lyrics about the drug use. Mm-hmm. And how I'm taking it anyway is that Polly is engaging in non-official sex work with her boss to receive the drugs. Right. Which, you know, as you said, some fairly dark subject matter here. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's definitely not boys and girls in America. Like, it's... Uh... Well, I mean, I, I think if you want to get into it, I think boys and girls in America is when she's going through a born again phase. Yeah. So it's a lot more like she doesn't want to do drugs and she loves Jesus, but I think she's really doing drugs. I don't know. I think, yeah, we got Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, way too much to get into when we're talking about any one specific song. We'll figure that one out in the future. But there, I do like, uh, the, in, in the lyrics, uh, and part of the, when she's talking about, or when he's talking about her doing the drugs, the two references that they make, uh, the been caught stealing by Jane's addiction and dancing on the ceiling by Lionel Richie. Uh, that we did the been caught stealing into dancing on the ceiling, and you're damn right we danced. That's a good time right uh, there. Uh, you know, Craig loves to shout out all kinds of things. Basically, every musician or song that's influenced him in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, right. he'll reference it. And then in turn, there's bands that reference them. And I like the last, there's not really a verse chorus in this, like, usual. No, this is just kind of a story. The last stanza. Yeah, that's kind of, with Hold Steady songs, I think last time that's the word I ended up with, is like, it's a stanza. Uh, And I had also, that's my favorite part of the song, I think, the last section. Yeah, because then it's more, it kind of pulls back from the story and goes from, like, the narrator. He's actually talking kind of as himself as the narrator, which is kind of cool, I think. Yeah, it gets, it's like he pauses in the story to address you as the listener directly. Right. Rather than just being in the song telling the story. And this, it, everything about it is just like the guitar drops out. There's a quite noodly solo right before this. Yes. I think this, it, it's kind of the weirdest office solo in the song and then the guitars just completely drop out and you just get a drum and bass groove you've got a wood block doing a weird little rhythm and then uh as we were discussing we have a what now it's a guiro a guiro uh which is most people need... would uh, remember that from probably elementary school it's kind of like some of them were shaped like fish it had like two holes where you put your fingers on the bottom and you had a stick and you rubbed it across some like ribbed wood parts and it made a, I can't even explain the Yeah, noise, I don't know how but... to describe the sound. You you can hear it in the background in this part. It's vaguely like scraping. Not really like a washboard, but maybe generally in that area. Yeah, but it has its own very distinct sound. And I'm pretty sure that's what it is because it's pretty quiet. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool sound. And I actually hadn't really noticed it until I think the second or third listen mm-hmm. through. And I'm like, wait, what's that in the background? I had turned the headphones up like, oh, but it, it really adds texture to that part that otherwise there's not much going on yeah you put some more guiro in your headphones of course you need more everybody needs to do that i didn't even know until today that i needed that but it's fair i need it and then craig finishes his little tail i guess and it just kind of ends on the i like this uh when we left we were defeated and depressed and when we arrived we were ripping high we had a gun in the glove box we had some sweet stuff tucked in our socks and Jesus Christ in all his glory. Yeah. And that's like, that's just the way he delivers that last line. It's like, you think he's going to keep going, but then the music just kind of Yeah, it's it's abrupt in, I don't know how to describe it, abrupt in like a soft way. Yeah. He just kind of stops and then you're not really sure if he's going to come back in and then the music just stops. Now to go back to the beginning of the song, with the music end of things, that organ just Ooh, just bites, man, right off the it, beginning. It really does. It's such a good sound. It's such a vibe. It it gets it lets you know what you're getting into for sure. Yeah, it's. I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it's 
the whole song and album, it's a very 70s classic rock jam band kind of vibe. Yep. And this organ really, really illustrates that. You know, this is straight out of the 70s. I believe there's like a Leslie Rotary speaker. Possibly. There's some kind of effect on there. I'm yeah. not um, great with the old school effects. But it's it's kind of spacey and swirly and adds, for me, to the whole looseness sound I was talking about earlier. Yeah, it kind of comes right out of the gate with that. Just like, you're just going to kind of chill for the song and, yeah, a, and listen. It's kind of a interesting dynamic just just in the organ sound with that effect because the actual organ is kind of very sharp yeah but then you have the swirling going on organs are usually by themselves are pretty dry instruments yeah and they're also but that's why you put things like a leslie rotary speaker uh you know a chorus uh, things like that on it to make it to really kind of round out the sharp edges and that became such an era defining sound yeah. really Everybody used it back in the day. That, and then once the synth started getting more and more popular. Yeah, the synth kind of took over from the organ, but... Because organs weigh fucking 150 pounds. <laughs> I would oh. know. I've carried them up and down steps. And that's the small ones. Yes. That's not even the ones in a church. No. That you can't move. But then, like, in the background, after these organs, the organ kind of fades back. You get these lead lines that come in and out, which are just... They're just great. They're just very, like... I have down as like a bluesy kind of feel to them. Yeah, it's a it's a very again seventies kind of yeah. just straight. I don't want to say anything, you know, definitive music theory, but it kind of sounds like he's just screwing around on blues scale or yeah. a pentatonic scale. Beato. <laughs> Shout out Pat Penerty. Uh, I haven't had a good Beato moment in a while. I'm kind of wondering now. We did see the hold steady. At least we saw the hold steady together once. I don't remember if you've seen them more than that i believe you have right? yeah i've seen yeah, him um, two or three times i'm wondering if he plays the same thing every time probably in, not in these sections because it seems kind of very improv mm -hmm. um it sounds like he kind of just did it on the spot in the studio so that could add to the whole jam vibe if it's a you know different solos every time you see him I've, i i want to say i saw them play this song live once and it was one of the songs that craig actually had a guitar for you know, he has that like... Or touched it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the guitar <laughs> on. He likes to have it hang in there yeah. and then go three songs without touching it. But, you know. I'm pretty sure he was doing like the the muted guitar part underneath the two guitarists going back and forth doing solos, if I remember correctly. But that was such a long time ago. I See, I can't remember. I'm, I, I'm kind of fuzzy on the set list from when we saw them. There was some beers going around. Some were handed out. And uh, I don't know if they played this song or not. They played a lot of old stuff, yeah. I know, when we saw them. Because so there's a, there a couple could've. songs that have this same kind of style to them where they could have done that same thing, where there's one guitar playing, like, the muted under parts, and then the two guitars are going back and forth, which yeah. they do, and it sounds really cool, but I don't specifically remember this one. Craig's kind of, you know, guitar optional. Yes, I very know, much so. I know when we saw them, at least, there's parts where he's supposed to be playing a rhythm part but he's too into the singing mm -hmm. i mean it doesn't really negatively affect the no. song it's just being a guitarist it's a little funny when he's standing there with the guitar at which he has very low or at least he used to oh as far as i've seen he still does because it's just, punk as fuck man just just i mean i i'm just saying like craig if you know you're not gonna do it for a couple songs save your back maybe a little That's bit true. yeah because <laughs> i'm pretty it, did he use the Les Paul or? I uh, used a some kind of variation. I think yeah, some kind of Gibson, but they generally run heavy. So, yeah. save your back, my man. Yeah. None of us are getting younger, man. I can't. I can't imagine playing a Les Paul full time. I mean, only being in my early thirties now, I can't imagine how these guys do it in their forties and fifties and beyond. Like I, it was hard enough to do it as a teenager. Those yeah. things are heavy. Or these metal dudes that play BC Riches. Oh man, I can't. <laughs> those things are like. Pounds three less pauls <laughs> back to the song <laughs> now i we did mention last time right that steve the guitarist gave you his beer yeah. yeah that was i mean how often do you get to finish a beer from a kick-ass guitarist like that i didn't finish it it was a fresh beer whatever our lips did not touch <laughs> at least not during the set <laughs> well you're just having a whole thing over there aren't you i don't know what the fuck i'm doing today man 
but yeah, the uh, with the mute guitar parts, the one thing I really like is the bass sound because you know we can't go an episode without talking about bass sound. We really can't, and it's I don't know. I feel like it's not mentioned a lot when other people discuss music yeah. or like you know album reviews or anything. Bass does not get enough credit. It doesn't. It like compositionally or tone wise or anything, and there. There's so many bad bass tones out there that it really does need to be highlighted when a bassist mm-hmm. has a kick-ass tone, and especially when it adds something to the song. And in this case, it absolutely does because it's it's got that dirt on it. You know, it's a little, a little bit of a dirty bass. It it a is distortion to it, and it blends nicely because the guitars are only slightly overdriven. Yep, and so it's... you just a little bit of dirt from everything, and it all kind of comes together to give a nice pleasant amount of distortion without actually being like distortion and the the bass is playing when is really being focused on when the guitars are doing like the muted parts Yeah, it it does a great job of filling in because the guitars are so spacey. I don't know. I don't want to keep saying spacey a million times, but I don't mean. There's no like you know continuous palm muted eighth notes throughout the verses or something. Like you've got right. the the rhythm part of the guitar has a lot of pauses in it and a lot of gaps, and then especially the part at the end. Uh, when it's just the drums and bass yeah. that we were just talking about, the the bass comes up in the mix, and it's just kind of like the bass and Craig over this drum beat, and you can really appreciate how good that bass sounds mm-hmm. and how well it goes with his voice. The, yes, the rasp of his voice with the dirt of the bass with the simple like straightforward drum beat. It's just it just all hits. It's a great way to end a song. And the listeners couldn't see it, but when I said how good the bass sounds, I did make a butt-grabbing gesture with my hands without even realizing it. That's how good the bass sounds. That's how good the bass was. And then after that final fade-out, you know, Craig stops, and there's a couple bars of music, and then everything just stops. And, you know, and we can't really get into it too much here, but it goes right into the opening riff of Stevie Nicks after that fade out yeah which is a great transition because that opening riff just slams and hopefully one day one of us will shuffle to stevie nicks so we can talk about that song more because be that's i love that song one of the best songs yeah. on the album absolutely because when we left we were defeated in the press and when we arrived we were ripping high we had a gun in the glove box we have some sweet stuff stuck into our socks. And Jesus Christ in all his glory. Kagan, okay, that was Charlemagne in Sweatpants by The Hold Steady off the 2005 album Separation Sunday. All right, we will be right back after this short break, and I'll take my turn. All right, Matt, now it's your turn, so go ahead and do your roll, and let's see what we get. 18. 18, wow. I love these large rolls. Finally, it's not me getting an almost 20 for once. Yeah, let's uh, let's hit it to play. Oh, Ooh. we got a day to remember. I'm made of wax. Larry, what are you made of?
All right. And again, that was I'm Made of Wax. Larry, what are you made of? From A Day to Remember off the 2009 Homesick album. Bangers. What an album. What a song. What a band. I think this is a... So good. There's a lot to talk about, I think, with the day to remember. There is, and it's it's funny because I didn't realize that they've been around since 2003. I thought yeah. they were a much later later 2000s band. I always forget that because there was like the album before this one, which was more of like their old school sound. Yeah, but I well, the, yeah, they're kind of like and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, this was you know seen veterans at this point basically yeah i mean six years in they've they've already done a a decent amount of work but they were also formerly known as end of an era which i couldn't really find any information on that's a sick name for a hardcore band it is and it would have been early 2000s so that was a great name yeah i don't know i mean if they they were like some you know throwdown kind of hardcore shit i don't know because they were more kind of that way with their earlier stuff yeah it was a little more a little more I'm, throwdown yeah i mean when i would not exactly but they were more hardcore-ish in yeah. their earlier stuff definitely i mean i i would floor punch to a band called end of an era you know oh, absolutely if they, I, if I they were wearing the change, you, know, you know they were wearing some hockey jerseys oh, or like yeah. a plain gray champion hoodie yep all day the bases had a <laughs> six foot stack of ampeg amps for no fucking reason yep yep oh man and that's those how you know you're the, gonna die those were the days like we didn't even really do that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, they like, I, I've never floor punched in my life, but I'm not gonna say I haven't. But you know, I, it it was still the times, though. That's I true. Mean, but I mean, yeah, 2009 when this album came out. I remember when this album came out, and they put it on. First thing you hear is that fucking chant. Oh yeah, the, from Downfall of Downfall Us All. Of us all. And at that point, you're just like, well, this is the fucking album I'm listening to for the rest of this year. The band did want to, as they said, have a heavier and poppier sound on this album than they had in their earlier music. Which I think they pulled off perfectly. Yeah, both aspects of it, which at first you're like, what do you mean heavier and poppier? But, I mean, that's... He was just song like this, and it's it's almost like that exact sentiment. Yeah, which is um, kind of... This was really when that sound was taking off mm-hmm. as uh, the main bulk of writing for this album was actually done while they were on the Easy Core tour, Yeah, which that term had probably just been invented at that point. Well, if they didn't even tour after it, then yeah, it was just getting yeah. popularity. Which was, yeah, you was know, about that time. Yeah. the Wonder Years, Four Years Strong, yeah, I remember. you know, basically poppy and breakdowns, mm-hmm. you know pop punk but fusing hardcore elements into it so and then they all started wearing hawaiian shirts and yeah. having beards yeah dude core dude core yeah i Bro mean core. all various names for the same thing which you know i'm not gonna lie i have just loved that sound and have just <laughs> eaten that music oh, up yeah. since it came out you give me a good vocal part and then throw me into a breakdown i'm all for it and i think it's funny because with this album with this new sound that they debuted here is both when the band blew up and also the point where they became kind of controversial, I guess, in the scene of the people that had been listening to them didn't really like the poppiness. Yeah, the the hardcore kids didn't like the poppiness. The pop punk kids didn't like the hardcore. So there was like a lot of hate on them when they came out. Like with this album uh, yeah. specifically, there was a lot of hate, I think, and... It's it's bullshit hate. Yeah, I don't think it was deserved. No. I mean, regardless of what fans expect, you know, as a band, you kind of want to be successful. Oh, yeah. It it is literally your job. I mean, like, you are supporting yourself by doing this. You want to be successful, and you want to do what's going to make you the most successful. And they were having pressure from their label at the time to put out an album, because they'd actually re-released one of their earlier albums the year before to buy some time. And who was their, uh, their, their label? Our best friends. Oh, was it really? It was Victory Records. I didn't even. I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, Victory Records. Wow, what a shock! Victory Records putting undue pressure on a band to release an album when they're not ready. Not only that, two years later, they got into a legal battle with Victory. Hmm. I feel like we've talked about this. Surprising, before. literally no one. So, 
least this one was a lot faster than the last one. Uh, 2013, they gained the right to self-release any new albums until the suit was settled. Uh, and then in 2016, Jerry settled 100% in favor of the band. So it wasn't a eight-year process or more than that Streetlight was. Yeah, as soon as I saw Victory, and I was yeah, like, Yeah, I oh, didn't even notice it was that's Victory. That's pretty funny, that's Victory. And then I saw, in 2011, they had a lawsuit. I was like, well, fucking of course they did. It was Victory in the mid-2010s. They started writing the album on the 2008 Warp Tour. And then they continued and finished writing the album on the Easy Core Tour. With quite a bit of input from our good old friend Chad Gilbert. Good old Chad. Who, you know, since we listen to a lot of pop punk and stuff, is going to continually come up. Oh, yeah. I don't really like him as a person, but he's very influential for the past 10, 15 he, years of this kind of music. He did a lot for pop punk. He also did a lot for shitty people. And I didn't realize this, but he was apparently a lot more involved in the writing of this album than a lot of people know. No, I didn't or know. Or at least, you know, if you don't dig into it, because Newfound Glory was on that tour. Right. So I mean, that makes sense. You know, the band was directly working with him, you know, at night during, you know, while they're traveling times, and everything. Yep. And Chad had quite a lot of hand in shaping this new sound for them. Chad was the one who liked more of the hardcore stuff than Newfound Glory. Yeah. Like, he and, was more the hardcore guy. I mean, he he knew what he was doing. Like yeah. they really they really nailed the sound with this aside from the guitar tone, which we'll touch on later. <laughs> a lot of times you find that the shittiest people often are uh the ones that have the most influence. Yeah, unfortunately. And, you know, we don't like to get into no. to too much of that. So we'll we'll leave that aside. But he does know what he's doing as a producer. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as I said, it, he's going to come up a lot. Because yep. there's so many albums that we love that he produced or Had helped produce. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Now, the one thing I did find funny about this, uh, I always wondered where the song title came from. So did I. Apparently, it is a quote from the Night at the Museum movie. You gotta finish the job this time. You can't quit. You made of wax, Larry. What are you made of? Which I also learned doing the research. <laughs> I've ne I never knew uh, that, and I don't know why. Like I guess I always thought it sounded familiar because I've seen the movie a bunch of times. Yeah. See, I haven't really, so that kind of makes sense. Oh yeah. You know, I. I'm not a big movie person, so That's there's true. a lot of movies that people probably think it's a crime I haven't seen that I haven't seen. But I knew it had to be a you know a pop culture quote because of that yeah pop so, punk bands in the around 2010. Like what else did you do for song titles? Exactly. Yeah, yeah I just thought it was funny that it was from Night at the Museum. But then getting into the actual song itself, musically, as per Data Remember normally does, it's catchy as fuck. Absolutely. I mean, this whole album is absolutely catchy yeah. you drum along air drum along you sing along air it, guitar you you can't help it you don't even realize mm -hmm. that you're doing it it's just so well crafted and so catchy and i think the rest of the album gets overshadowed by downfall of us all a yes. lot because that song became such a thing and then like became a meme yep. and i don't know what i was on like rock band or guitar hero or yeah something at, like that. um yeah there were actually Four songs off of this album. Oh. Uh, it was in rock. They were DLC for Rock Band. That's right. And I thought it was funny that this song specifically was added as fan request. Oh, because okay. I don't know if you remember or anybody else remembers back in the day. Like Rock Band always came out with three song packs. Yeah. When they did DLC, and Data Remember has four songs. So it was like they put out the three songs, and the fans were like, "We really want to play. We really want this one." You know, made a wax, Larry. So they put it out, and I. They were fun. They were one of yeah. the more fun songs in rock band. You know, I had the Day to Remember DLC, of course. And anytime I go back and play rock band, I pick these songs up because they're just fun. You jam out to sing along. I need to go back and play rock band. It's been so long. I bought one and two on uh, resale, like in 2020 during the pandemic. Oh, shit. We'll have to make that happen. Yeah, jammed out to some Day to Remember. I had forgotten they were in rock band and then I had the songs and everything. Nice. Now, on Rock Band, that means it has that great drum beat intro, those drum hits. And it really comes right at you from the beginning of the song. Yep. You got the vocals, the drums, uh, the guitar is filtered, but 
the vocals and the drums are so intense. Yeah, they pulled the guitar back a little bit because I, I mean, you really want the focus to be on those drums. And then you have that dynamic shift once you take the filter off and the guitar and everything coming yeah. full. And it has a if a, it has like that weird I don't know if it's something that's super audible uh, that weird like swell. Yeah, if they, right, right before. They did a lot of swells, this and the next album, which are my two favorite Data yeah. Remember albums, but they, they were really big into swells for transitions yep. and stuff. Which, swells into, like, bass drops. Yeah, especially with, as I mentioned a little bit ago, the guitar tone here. It's not my favorite. It's that, you know, that period of time, very overly gained, overly compressed distortion that yeah. everybody did for heavy music, which, I mean, I'm not going to hate. I listen to a lot of music with the tone, but it's... Like, if I had to choose, I would choose something else for that. It's not bad, though. I mean, it definitely fits. The swells work well with it because you have so much gain there that you can kind of just swell the gain up and it beautifully melds into the guitars. No, but then uh, going into uh, a nice, like, big open guitar part uh, into the choruses where they actually kind of switch it up from what I would imagine you would consider normal, where they have the lead lines and the octaves both playing in the chorus as opposed to one of them doing it in the verse. Yeah, it's the whole thing's a little backwards from typical because the verses are standard. Yeah, the verses yeah. are also heavier. Yeah. I mean, obviously you have the um, you know, the poppy hook in the chorus and everything, but generally with heavy music, the choruses are still still heavier or Fuller, you know. Yeah, or like they'll go to a, a, a halftime, which makes it sound bigger and, you know, things like that. But no, they decided to take all of it and throw it into yeah. the chorus. But it works. Yeah, you've, you know, you've got that kind of more pop punk music going on with the octave chords over the power chords. Mm-hmm. And then they got those, uh, those like screaming accents in the background, like hitting the last like couple words or whatever. Yeah, that's a really nice touch. Uh, there's the scream layered over the clean vocal mm-hmm. as you trail out of the chorus, which only goes through once, which you kind of expect it to repeat because it's a hook, but it doesn't. But then that, that screaming part at the end of that end of the chorus leads really well into their bridge when everything slows down a little bit. Yeah, definitely my favorite part of the song from the end of the second chorus onward. Yeah, and it comes out of that chorus with that vocal part into that come on scream that they hold out and then the you know the drums are doing their beat and that bass tone got to mention hey, bass tone of course you don't hear the bass all that much in this song really until that it, part yeah it's kind of buried under the wall of guitars but which, that's usually the case with the bands like this yeah. the bass gets hidden which hurts me it does you know we're big proponents of bass here as we mention every week mm-hmm but you get those couple drum hits out of the chorus and then the bass that's just filthy you got to make stank face when you're listening to that bass and then the the drums it's just like a flurry of drums building up into the breakdown which with the toms and all the i mean you gotta they went uh they went classic on it they they put the pause oh and then the throat clear As uh, we were just talking about right before we started recording, sucker for a well-timed pause with something in the middle to break it up. Yep, a pause into a insert audio clip of some kind here into breakdown. And I I don't know like typically like recording music or whatever you would never leave somebody clearing their throat in the song because you know that's something that would get cut out. But just something with this kind of music, like it just pauses and it hits the throat clear and then it's into this super heavy part. Yep. And it, it, you know, it just, you got to get ready before you fuck it up in the breakdown. Yeah. And it's a fucking good breakdown. Now, I actually did not realize this. I don't know if I never listened closely enough or whatever, but there's guest vocals in yeah. this breakdown. It's uh, Mike from The Devil Wears Prada, who I'm not very familiar with, so that might be why I didn't recognize, but... I'm vaguely familiar with some of their stuff. It's, it's a really good, like, back and forth screaming between mm, yeah. him and Jeremy. 
Now, that does go into the final chorus, which what I like what they did in this chorus, where they took the, you know, it's all over the same line, octave parts, you know, but then they added a vocal harmony to the, the, the main vocal, which really, I feel like coming out of that breakdown elevates it to the ending of a song. Yeah, it's, I always uh, love when you bring back the chorus for the last time, but change it yeah, from add the, something, the, the previous know. several times, especially yeah. if the like the first two or three are the same. Yep. And then you add a harmony or you do a key change for the last time or you switch it to halftime or something, and it really adds to that, you know, like you know you're building to the end of the song. Yeah, I mean, which is, if that wasn't there, probably would have made this a fairly boring song for the most part. Overall, it would have been a, it would have been a really weak ending. Yeah, it would just been like, oh, well, this I guess back it's to just the chorus the, yeah. again. It's kind of like after that breakdown hits and you've got You're all this kind of out of the song at that and, point. Yeah, yeah. like all right, I, I heard what I wanted to, and I can go to the next song now. But got to do something to, to keep the interest up after yeah. you know the intensity of the breakdown, which I did really well. And then naturally, that <laughs> the final scream in the background <laughs> with the, the the talking at the very end. I love it. But I I don't think I noticed that until we were listening to it this time today. I knew it was there. I just never really listened to what they were saying. Or may, yeah, that's maybe I didn't or like paid attention to it. Really, I knew it was, I just you know it was a fairly typical thing around that time for stuff like that to happen. Leave a little outtake from the vocal track yeah. on the end. Leaving an outtake at the end sounds kind of familiar. Hmm. I wonder who does that. I don't know. Who could it be? Listen to the end of the episode. I mean, lyrically in the song, it's kind of straightforward. It's a song about revenge. Yeah, it's just kind of pop punk hardcore music. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it's a girl. I'm gonna tell it's people. A girl. I'm gonna tell people shit's fucked up. I'm not afraid to tell people that shit's fucked up. Hey, you screwed with me, but you know what? Fuck you, guy. That's right. <laughs> I'm gonna tell everybody. I I feel like it's not even really super important. No. Yeah, you know, like this. And most Day to Remember songs, it's the kind of thing where you find yourself singing along, but not really paying attention to what you're singing along. Yeah. It's just so catchy that you just sing the words and you don't even really care what the words are. Yeah, there's no real... Not like in an insulting way. Yeah, not that there's no meaning behind the words. Every song has a meaning. Yeah, I mean, it's... I would say it's just not standout. The lyrics are not really a standout for me, at least on this song. No, I the, mean... The music is the main attraction that I'm here for. Especially if you compare it to the whole study that we were just going to. Right, that's an entirely it's, different thing. That you're going to focus on the story. Because that's Because that's focus. what they do. Yeah. yeah. Data where, remembers focused on fucking it up. That's that's right. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I've never seen a pit for the hold study, but... I've definitely seen the data remember a few times, and they've always had a pit, which is a, a fun time. And I mean, you know, you need different music to fulfill different things. That's right. Sometimes you want Hold Steady, sometimes you want Day to Remember. Day to Remember for me has always been one of those like mid spring, mid fall, like driving in the car with the windows Ooh, down, like yeah. just blaring it for no reason at all. Because it doesn't have to have a purpose. It doesn't have to have a meaning. Nope. You it's just, just want to rock out, jam wanna, out, sing along to something. I want to sing along. I want to drum on my steering wheel. And I want to eventually have a breakdown. Like and, that's, Well, in the song, not your car or your mental status. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have both regardless. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But yeah, that's that's how I picture the data remember. Or at least that's what they are to me is the, the, the windows down blasting music kind of band. Of course. And then it's not this album, but... There's always the very special moment where we were moving you, one of the many times we moved you, <laughs> and we were all in the back of the empty U-Haul truck, and I was playing, actually, I think it's the next album. I think it is the next album, um, yeah. On my phone, and it was the song Second Sucks, which kind of starts with a big swell. A really big swell. So, you know, tying in here. And then it swells and stops, and then he yells and it hits a super heavy part and the light in the u-haul truck went out at the exact moment of the hit and it i don't know it was a moment 
we all cracked up. It's so it's actually the fight noise from Oh right, yeah, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Fight. Speaking of greatly placed samples or whatnot in the middle of a pause. Yep. Just they, they were good at it. Big swell, pause, fight. The lights go out. Had to be there. I don't know. So every time I hear Data Remember, that's what I think of. That's the first thing I think of, yeah. All right. So, again, that was I'm Made of Wax. Larry, what are you made of? From a day to remember off their 2009 album Homesick. And again, my song was Charlemagne in Sweatpants by The Hold Steady off of the 2005 album Separation Sunday. And again, mine was I'm Made of Wax. Larry, what are you made of? From a day to remember off the 2009 Homesick album. And you can find these songs, as well as the songs we mentioned in our recently listening to section, and songs from all the previous episodes on the Hit Shuffle playlist on Spotify. You can also find us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram, at hit underscore shuffle. We also have a Facebook page, and we have a website, which is hitshufflepodcast.com. And as we do... We're going to go ahead and roll a die, give you a number. You're going to shuffle into your collection, and you're going to let us know what you get and a little bit about the song. So let's give you your roll for this week. Hey, it's an 18. The same as Matt. The same as me. So go ahead and shuffle into your playlist. Tell us what you got. Hey, we might even make an episode about songs that people give us. Or at the very least, a section. At least a section. We'll see. We'll see. Get get back to us and... Hit us on them uh, social medias. But hey, this has been the Hit Shuffle Podcast, and I've been your host, Matt. I've been your host, Dave. We're fucking done. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm a snake, okay.